Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 32, and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I'm Tazzy, streamer and co-host. I'm Gina, the show's producer. And our guests today are two manga artists, uh, Inko and Chie. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having us. Cool. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So uh, it's the first time on the show, but uh, we've actually known uh, you both for a while. And a quick story is that when we first created the Mayamada brand and we were looking for artists, uh, me and Lau were going to do a uh, Kickstarter that uh, failed, but we were going to have, we we're going to work with Ingo and Chie to do um, a couple of the Mayamada stories and that plan. It didn't work out, but it was still nice to meet you. And yeah, uh, he mm-hmm. was. It was nice to meet you as well. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, before we get started, uh, as always, you can listen to and subscribe to the story story podcast on apple podcast on spotify and wherever you find your podcast you can also send us feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com or on social media at myamada on twitter at myamada t on instagram or at tazzy on both let's get started with what's been happening in the myamada universe Uh, so we've got a few things that we're that we're working on and sort of plans in the background for the moment uh, i'm going to give a a heads up to some stuff that is gonna uh come so we've been working on uh the 11th hour or i've been working on the 11th hour story uh sort of making notes and outlining and all that stuff uh but before then what will probably come is a kickstarter uh for a special edition of the serious um manga so we released that in 2016 uh, and it's a story about uh, uh of young entrepreneurs uh that have to you know find their way out of their neighborhood to the big city improve themselves um, but with everything that's going on in this uh, pandemic phase of of life uh, I, I was thinking of an idea for a story that I'm going to work on putting together like a short story uh, with the characters from Sirius uh, kind of as a way to sort of <laughs> process like things that are going on but hopefully produce a story that um, sort of my matter fans and uh, young people out there can uh, can read and sort of make some sense uh, and some like hope uh, out of the situation that we find ourselves in. So stay tuned for that. Um, I'm working on it as we go and we will drop that in our mailing list and social media probably the end of this month, uh, end of June or beginning of July. Uh, aside from that, we are even closer to uh, a few gamepad-related news uh, or events. Uh, one particular, the launch of our Discord group. Uh, we're going to be just bringing the gamepad experience online. So we're going to launch a Discord group. We are going to launch a uh, a raffle as part of that. So we're going to give away some My Matter artwork. And the idea for the Discord group is for people who have met at Game had events to continue uh, chatting, meeting new people, uh, and generally for people to come and talk about video games and be part of the community started through physical events. Uh, and now we're going to be in sort of online and eventually when we all can leave our houses and go to events um, through events as well. 
and just promoting inclusion and diversity in the games we play and the people who make them. Uh, after the Discord launch, we are going to be going into the Gamepad online event on Saturday, the 27th of June, which is hosted by Tazzy and a celebration of uh, video games from the safety of uh, your homes. So it will be a combination of video games. We are going to work in some cosplay and we are also being sponsored by Into Games, uh, who are going to help us bring industry interviews and sort of access to the video game industry uh, as part of this experience. So for anyone who is interested in you know, making a career of video games or just like generally interested in the background of how games are made, and people that make them, uh, we're hoping it will be a yeah, good mix of sort of um, just like fun, um, fun watch party, but also yeah, some information for you as well. Can go to gamepad.events to find out more about that um and yeah just check our social media because by the time you you are listening to this no doubt we have flooded social media with different bits of information for that event uh, so that's all that is happening at the moment uh let's find out what everyone has been enjoying story-wise this week So this is our segment where we do a little spoiler-free discussion about what everyone's been reading, watching, or playing. Um, so we'll start off with our guests. So Inko, do you want to go first? Hey, yeah. Um, recently, I'm just uh, reading uh, Shakespeare's uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. It's, it's quite classic. And then the reason why is just I'm um, joining the competition of the graphic Shakespeare competition. So, um it has to be Shakespeare, of course, uh, particularly the uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. It's really uh, has got so much complexity of the, the different relationship, especially the love. And then uh, each scene has some kind of uh, emotion crushing each other, but also it's really comical at the same time. And so I try to make the adaptation into the manga. And then uh, I it's kind of the very short story. It's from one to six pages, which is pretty uh, short, but um, it took quite a while to think about how to uh, the, take out the taste of the uh, big story, but the only part of it, and then get it into six pages, and then it's really kind of a, a, a challenge for the uh, adaptation itself, but also the challenge on the how to express emotions, how to express the, uh, um, the world play. And then, and, uh, sure, that's really, uh, the thing's really uh, exciting and then very interesting to work on. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's classic, but it never fades. Uh, the entertainment, of the, that's one of the really great stories I ever had, I've ever read. Yeah, I... Uh... I have some connections to that <laughs> story. Right. Um, excellent. It's quite a, a random one to have. Normally, everyone's like reading or watching something kind mm. kind of more recent. So that's pretty yeah, cool. no, you, you bought some like you bought some proper culture to this. Podcast, yeah. so like, <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. Um. Uh, yeah. So, Chi, what about you? Um, actually, 
Um, same as Inko, I was entering the, that same competition, so I was reading Amit Someone I Dream, but Inko actually told about it, everything about it. So I'm talking, I'm going to talk about um, a Japanese manga called Delicious in Dungeon. Have you ever heard of that? No. Oh, okay. It's, <laughs> it's a... Um, and it's a called uh, Delicious in Dungeon, and um, the old, uh, creator's name is Ryoko uh, Kui. And then uh, it's about, uh, it's a kind of mixture of uh, cooking manga with RPG world. So it's a, basically the main character is a, uh, warrior, and then he's had a party to explore the dungeon. It's it's very basic RPG situation, and then, but on the way to find something precious and treasures, they actually lost a lot of money. So they kind of decided to eat uh, creatures they hunt. So every single episode. They have a recipe for cooking the creatures. Uh, so it's kind of, but uh, that's a small uh, kind of, uh, how do you go? That, so you can have a like little, little, each episode is individual recipe with comic, comical kind of short story. There are also big, big story. The main character is looking for uh, his younger sister. So it's a two things going on. It's just a very classic two things going on. One is very big story and also with little episode with funny twist with cooking. So I found it very, very gripping. It's, I mean, it's gripping and also it's funny. And then I love, I'm, I'm quite into video story with funny moment and then that balance is perfect for one so that's i've been leading since i mean i've been it's a, now it's a volume nine i think is out so i've been leading this sounds like my kind of story yeah yeah it's just, <laughs> the art is beautifully done and then the story is just never get bored you know boring but the all everything is on very classic rpg dungeon and dragons kind of world so mm -hmm. i strongly recommend it <laughs> i definitely <laughs> I definitely like the sound of like recipes each episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a very good idea with you know, recipe, cooking, and RPG. Two completely kind of different things get together. I like that kind of idea. Mm -hmm. uh, Gina, what about you? So I finally watched Beastars, which I, I oh. probably should have done ages ago. Um, that's the animal uh, anime that came out. I think it was last year. Um, and it's only 12 episodes. So I literally stayed up till five in the morning watching it one night because <laughs> I just wanted to know what happened. I was like, well, I might as well just watch the whole thing. Um, and it was really good. I did enjoy it. Um, I'm not huge on that sort of animation style, the 3D animation with like 
2D color. It it just doesn't sit well with me. I know that's not the case for everyone, but for me, I always I found it a bit unsettling. It was a bit weird. Like you could tell they were human models, but they put animal skins over them. It just it's in some scenes it worked, in some it was a bit weird. But the story was really good, and like the characters were the designs of the characters are my favorite. That's I think that's why I wanted to watch it because the designs of the characters are so nice, and. It was a really interesting story, but unfortunately, because it is only 12 episodes, it sort of leaves off on a cliffhanger. Obviously, the manga's like way further ahead, but we're not going to get the next season till over a year from now, which does suck. So that's the only thing that was the main downfall. Like you get into it and you stay up till five and then you're like, well, when's the next season? You're like, oh, 2021. September or something like that. It's like, oh, got got a long wait then. <laughs> yeah. But I would recommend it if I was telling Nigel earlier to watch it actually, because he said it was on his watch list. So I would recommend it. And it doesn't take long, like it's 12 episodes and they're only 20 minutes each. So it really doesn't take long to watch at all. Mm-hmm. It's definitely on my watch list already. But now you said it it ends on a cliffhanger. I'm like I can't really with that. They wrap things up, but then they have a little, you know, teaser for the next season. You're like, but that was a problem from the first season that they didn't address fully. Mm. And now you've got to wait for that uh, to be um, dealt with as well. <laughs> We're yeah. already like twiddling our fingers, like. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if I can deal with that kind of <laughs> anticipation. Like, well, I want things that will completely distract me and make me feel yeah. complete and feel the empty void currently residing inside me. <laughs> I literally looked up the manga. I was like, I don't know if I can wait till next year. I might just have to buy the manga. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Um, yeah. It's definitely on my watch list. Um, maybe I'll give it a few months when I've run out yeah. of watch list. <laughs> uh, so I have been watching Parasite, which loads of people have recommended to me. Uh, anime, by the way. Um, yeah, it is really good. Um, so... And every time I feel like it's going to end, it gives me more episodes. Like, I didn't check how many episodes were in it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, okay, this feels like the ending. I think it was only, like, I don't know, like, eight episodes in or something? Or maybe it was, like, ten. I don't know. Somewhere around there. And I was like, oh, it feels like it's coming to an end. And then I was like, and then they just added, like, story. And I was like, oh, twist! Oh, my God, so good. <laughs> So it kind of takes you on this roller coaster um, as it goes through. You think sort of like things have been resolved and it's things are going back to normality in some sense. And then it's like, nope, uh, we're going in a different direction now. Um, and the characters are very, I wouldn't say very complex, but quite complex. Um, and like, there's a lot of question of like existence. Um so like for anyone that doesn't know the basic of it is that uh these parasites have ex- I don't we don't know where they've come from. They just come from somewhere. Just out of space. Fell from the sky. <laughs> yeah. Uh and then they have to attach themselves to a human brain. 
Um, if you've watched Venom, uh, kind of like there's a host body and they need a body to exist, but they they try and take over a brain. Uh, but the main character you follow, uh, the parasite that attached to him, uh, failed to attach to the brain and instead replaced his left arm. Oh no, one of his arms. One of them, yeah. One of them. Uh, and so you go through this journey of their like extremely con- complex relationship because one is a parasite and uh, is evolving quickly and can learn very quickly uh, and needs him to rely, uh, needs him to survive, but is like not no human like sympathy or empathy doesn't understand complex human emotions Mm. uh, is very systematic to survival uh Mm. and like has no moral compass or anything it's just like i'm just gonna do things because your way because that's more essential to my survival um but yeah their relationship changes and then you meet other parasites uh some that are just basically animals and some that are more complex and have developed and are learning how they exist in this world um so yeah a lot of death Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, a lot of characters you get attached to then get murdered in cold blood (laughs) (laughs) but uh it's so thrilling and I literally feel the heartache um, and I thought it came to an end. And then they were like, uh, nope, here's another twist. And I was like, oh, I still have loads of episodes left and I never want it to end. <laughs> wow. um, so yeah, Nigel, what have you been consuming at the moment? Uh, so I have finally finished Gotham from season one. Uh, I now made it through to season five uh, and I'm all caught up. Uh, I don't know how long that took me, but uh, I made it. I'm here. Um, And yeah, I have some thoughts on it. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts. I'm not going to give all the (laughs) thoughts. I'm going to give some of the thoughts. Um, But let me just say, first of all, before I give some thoughts, is that, uh, number one, I I enjoyed it. So some of the things I'm about to say may give you the impression I did not like the show. Uh, That is not the case. I enjoyed the show. Um, And also, like shows or just stories doesn't don't always have to be perfect to for you to enjoy them you know not everything has to be sort of oscar winning um sort of martin scorsese level storytelling um and just a reminder i did enjoy the show so uh as i said from the beginning of season one i just i like the whole premise of seeing gotham uh, as a city and seeing how it changes the people that are in it Sort of both heroes and villain, uh, villains, and obviously um, seeing Bruce Wayne become Batman. Um, spoiler alert! So that's like one spoiler <laughs> rule. <laughs> uh, say, yeah, yeah just, there might be there might be some out there, but yeah, so that does happen. Um, and I felt that's that's the one thing that kind of not the one thing. So that that one of the main things that a show had for it because it always had that that interest, at least for me, always had the interest of how these characters become the characters that we know uh, today. Um, having said that, I always try and look at things like now from a, just like a storytelling um, perspective and see how they can sort of do better. And one of the things that uh, did frustrate me throughout the show is just like character arcs that didn't go anywhere um, or mm. just got dropped suddenly 
um, and I found that quite annoying uh, at certain points. And um, <laughs> there were a few things. And the, the idea of like of death in the show is is like a temporary <laughs> thing, and <laughs> like it's just over and over again. It's just like that. Just doesn't dying doesn't mean anything. And it what it does is because as as much as I like seeing the characters become who they are, what it does from a storytelling perspective, it kind of, it takes away some of the dramatic tension because you know there are certain characters who, regardless of the situation they're in, they're going to be fine, obviously, because mm-hmm. we've, we've seen them. Um, so I, I get that there's some of that, but I think they <laughs> made it tough for themselves by just having characters dying and, and, and it just, yeah, coming back. And it was making me think of um, uh, the anime Guren Lagann, um, as a one I recently watched, I only watched at the beginning of this year, uh, as an anime that, or a story that treats death with weight and like mm-hmm. uh, consequence and, and there's an impact on characters and Gotham is just the opposite end uh, of, <laughs> of that scale. Um, so yeah, I thought, I thought that was a shame because it, it kind of, it takes away some of the stakes um, uh, of the story uh, moments at certain points. Uh, and I'll say two two kind of things that it's kind of borders on spoilers so all right let me just say if you, you don't want spoilers for gotham skip forward like i don't know a couple minutes five minutes let's say to the next section go to the next section um <laughs> there are a couple of things that really did annoy me uh, and one of them is ed enigma and who is supposed to be the smartest person in the show but there's a storyline where his um his sort of clone girlfriend uh is uh kill penguin and ed nigma the smartest guy in the show who is a forensic scientist um can't figure out who was responsible mm-hmm. and what they did on the show is that to because the plot needed it to go in this particular direction mm-hmm. he accuses someone that had like no contact with um his, his girlfriend isabella of her crime and they've never shown them together there's no reason to believe that one even knows the other but the smartest guy show comes to the conclusion that he must have did it and then there's a whole arc there so when characters do like really with things um yeah that's annoying and then the other thing is the um the character barbara keen oh, I, <laughs> I did not understand why she was in the show last season two uh, just give it that and it just felt like they wanted to keep the actor around so they kept giving her storylines they kept completely changing her character uh one way to the other and uh going back to my point about dropping st- story arcs is they gave her like, big weighty story arcs that then dropped in the next season and then the way they ended it in season five it ju- it just baffled me and it meant that well, yeah, that was just frustrate itself. But it meant other characters, um, like, oh, what was the... Oh, I've forgotten her name now. Uh, Barbara's, like, on-again, on off-again partner. Uh, the one that uses the whips. Yeah, why have I completely forgotten I her name? I can't remember her name. I haven't watched it for a while, oh, so... Yeah. I was going to but anyway, she because I felt she was a character that was under because she was always under someone else, and she spent, spent a lot of time sort of being a sidekick to Barbara and understand why why she was in that show um oh my God. so yeah that's that's, that's a couple of things i will say but i did enjoy did enjoy the show i have to like i'm the same i enjoyed the show i have i don't even think i've got that far uh to season five um but i really oh, you'll be annoyed it's with like, in season five 
Barbara, like just the constant change of who this person is. I'm like, could we not have just got a new character? Yeah. And like, I don't know, made up something about their history uh, with Gordon because at this point she has changed so much that she doesn't actually have a character. No, she's just who they need <laughs> to be for this particular yeah. season. Um, and then again, the one that got the name with the whips, I feel like she was kind of like put down so that Barbara could continue to take this main spot where yeah. she seems to be the more like, Bar- like Barbara suddenly got all this like power and badassery from nowhere. Yeah, she just <laughs> just because uh, the story then, needed it at that point. And then here's a girl who like whose brother was evil and like has like this this history of being in this world and and already being badass. Mm-hmm. And then she's just a sidekick constantly yeah. and like in constantly in the shadow of someone. Uh, and then every time you think, oh, 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 like. Like, oh. this is her moment. This is her moment. Yeah. And then she just gets put down as sidekick again. Yeah. <laughs> it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. And a lot of my friends are like, I love Barbara. And I'm like, I Why? mean, she gets cool, but it's still <laughs> annoying because it's a whole different character. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. We complain because we love. Like, that's, that's why. Yeah. It's just a yeah. fault. But Alfred, yeah. excellent. Oh, Alfred. So, all right, let me just, is, yeah, Alfred... Is. From episode one to episode whatever the last is, Alfred is the one constant. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The great character. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, it was great. Ca- okay, character, but the performance and you know, the actor in particular just played it so well. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, got out scot free. He, he's fine. He's cool. <laughs> <Get out free. laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. We. I, I may or may not bring up Gotham uh, again because there's a lot I could talk about. Um, but we are. <laughs> I have to start watching it. Yeah, yeah, maybe Yannin, you can join us in this uh, in this uh, discussion. Yeah, I haven't watched the season five yet, so. Okay, you, uh, oh. I see. I didn't even talk much about season five, but no, let's let's move on because otherwise yeah. I'm going to okay. get into it even more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, please. Yes, no and, more spoilers. Got, yeah, yeah, and we've got uh, we've got an actual story to to discuss. So yeah, let's head to our main story discussion. And today we are going to be talking about the, the Studio Ghibli film Princess Mononoke, directed by uh, Hayao Miyazaki. Is it? Am I saying that right? Hayao Miyazaki. Okay, just want to check because we do have like actual Japanese people on the show, so just want to make sure I get my pronunciation. So, so feel free to jump in like if I sort of mangle pronunciation. Can't promise I'll get it right, but feel free to jump in. <laughs> Um, so before uh, I'm going to do a recap of the story, but before I do that, let's get some quick in, um, opinions, impressions from everyone, starting with our guests. What did you think about this film? When did you first watch it? And, and what do you think? Uh, Chia, you can start. Okay. Uh, I think I watched it when it's out. It's out cool. So, um, and just Mononoke is one of my most favorite Ghibli film, and then it, it's just so refreshing when I first you know watched it. It's like, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's it's not cute or anything. Mm. But the story, 
Because I used to love, I mean, I love, my most favorite was actually Totoro, which is quite cute. Very cute. I was, yeah, that also had a very deep, you know, meaning as well. But also that cuteness is quite strong. But this one is not cute at all. But it was like, I don't know. It's, it's just, I found it. It's really brilliant. And story-wise, I like this kind of every good Everybody got to say something. They have each, you know, their own opinion kind of story. And yep. then I, yeah, I also love the uh, art. Really, that art actually gave me a lot of inspiration for my MA work and everything. So, yeah. Cool. How about you, Inko? Um, last time I watched it, probably I watched at the cinema uh, with the friends. And it was really completely overwhelmed by the artwork, especially the the sacred forest. Uh, uh, Shigami's uh, whole design, the appearance, and uh, and particularly that story wise, I was uh, um, yeah when I was watching, I was already thinking about I need to watch that again because the relationship is so complicated, and then it's not really straightforward story. We, I was thinking, oh, I'm. Is a movie I'm going to watch again and again to scrap on the rebuilding and then just doing the whole analyzation, then I probably enjoy the most. And then, yeah, it's really like Chia said, just so much inspiration of the, my work that's come from the, the particular movie, Princess Mononoke. So, and still really um, working on lots of different ghost or yokai or Mononoke story. The films really are always some somewhere in my mind when I create art. So yeah, the one of the big insp- inspiration for me. Cool. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah, Tazzy, what did you think? Um, I love this film. This is actually kind of like my gateway into anime. Mm. Um, so the first time I watched it, I was probably like eleven. I don't know what how old you are when you're in your six, basically, the end of primary school. Um oh, right, yeah. so it's one the of the good films. Old days. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the films we watched like, you know that last uh sort of term of primary school or any kind of school where you're kind of not doing any work anymore. You kind of finished everything. Yeah, yeah. Those are the just, best ones. Yeah. <laughs> you just existed. <laughs> And you watch loads of films and have like party things. And yeah, mm. so at that time, uh, and it was one of my friends at the time that brought it in uh, and we watched that and I fell in love immediately, immediately uh, and wanted to consume more, more things like this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I just think it's beautiful. Every time I watch it, I kind of get a different meaning or a different point of view out of it and again yeah the art artwork is great the characters are great um and I feel like in terms of um how it flows is like I mean so artistic uh but still being like entertainment yeah if that makes sense yeah very artsy but it doesn't but you know like some artsy things like this is just artsy and yeah it's approachable yeah and if you're wanting to watch something for entertainment it's kind of like but this just finds that perfect balance okay cool yeah um so like from my perspective i, I watched this uh all of uh four days ago 
Um, so I, <laughs> I felt so... For first time? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh so my God. it's like I often surprise people by the gaps in my in my viewing uh, catalogue. So like like Studio uh, Ghibli and, and even like Pixar, my like favourite uh, production studio, if you will, but like um uh, pixar i've there's some big pixar films i've just not seen like when i'm at a convention and people pick up samurai chef and go, oh this rat reminds me of ratatouille i've not seen ratatouille like, at all <laughs> i still haven't uh, so just look at them i'm just like yeah i mean i obviously i know there's a rat in ratatouille but that wasn't in my mind when i was uh writing and uh so yeah so <laughs> this is this is one of my clips um uh princess Mononoke. okay so i watched it it was, and I can always tell something is good because it, it wakes me up. Because uh, I think I watched it on uh, on a Friday evening and I was kind of uh, a little tired, but so I'm going to watch it and prepare for the show. Uh, and then just there was a point where I was like, wait a minute, something's happening here. This is some like complex thing. And it's not like, uh, I think Cheers said, it's not cute. It's not a kid's which was my first surprise uh, when I saw his head get popped off by uh, a bow and arrow. I was like, "Oh, okay, this is not <laughs> this is not a kiss for a very adult um, film, but um, adult in of you know moments of uh, graphic violence, but particularly the themes and uh, the characterization is is very mature and very like complex and layered, uh, and I really enjoyed that because it just made think and i think uh really good stories will make you think about them uh, all the themes that they present after the story is done uh and this definitely kind of made me do that and yeah just like visually looks really good and it it's um it takes its time like i always like stories that are i guess confident enough to take their time it's not about like let me get the next action sequence or anything like that it, it takes its time to tell the stories to layer uh, the different moments um where they need to be need to be layered so yeah i was very impressed with it um yeah really impressed uh so before we get into um our spoiler field uh discussion i will do a recap of princess uh, mononoke the story sees a young amishi prince ashitaka save his from being attacked by a demon as he kills the demon his right arm is cursed by its, by its corruption the curse gives him superhuman strength but will eventually spread and kill him the village's wise woman tells ashitaka that he may find a cure in the westlands the demon came from but he cannot return to his homeland heading west ashitaka meets jigo tells him he may find help from the great forest spirit Nearby, men led by Lady Iboshi repel an attack by wolves, led by the wolf goddess Mora and San, a human girl raised by Moro after her parents abandoned her. Ashitaka discovers two injured Irontown men and carries them through the forest back to Irontown. There he learns that Lady Iboshi has built the town by clearing the forest, making it a refuge for social outcasts. San later sneaks into Irontown to kill Iboshi, but Ashitaka wakes up their fight with the help of his cursed arm. Leaves with San, but is unintentionally shot by a village. The curse, though, has given him strength to carry San out of the village, and she takes him to the forest, where the forest spirit saves his life. The Boar Clan, led by blind boar god um, Okoto, plans to attack Irontan and save the forest. Meanwhile, Lady Oboshi prepares for battle. She sets out 
kill the forest spirit with Jigo. She intends to give the forest spirit's head to the emperor who believes it will become immortal. Ashitaka recovers from his wound and is told to leave the forest. He returns to Aitown to find it under attack by samurai. The Bo clan is annihilated in battle and Okoto is gutted by his wounds, transforming him into a demon. San tries to stop it, but is trapped inside instead. As the forest spirit transforms into the Nightwalker, Lady Eboshi decapitates it. It then bleeds over the land, killing anything it touches as it searches for its head. As the forest dies, Moro's head comes alive and bites off Lady Eboshi's arm, but she survives with Ashitaka's aid. Ashitaka and San pursue Jigo and retrieve the head, returning to the forest spirit. The spirit dies as the sun rises but washes over the land and heals it while lifting Ashitaka's curse. Ashitaka stays to help reap Iron Town, but promises San who will visit her in the forest. Lady Eboshi reunites with the townspeople and vows to build a better town as the forest begins to regrow. The end. Uh, so the first thing I wanted to uh, actually ask, because we have um, Chie and, and Inko um, sort of are Japanese and uh, did you watch the original story like uh, original Japanese story I assume mm-hmm. yes. yes so have you seen the English translation yeah as well yes cool so yeah I guess what I wanted to know is like how how did the two compare because what I have since learned since watching it is that the English translation uh, was done by Neil Gaiman um, mm-hmm. and he had a bit of a fight in making sure the original story was preserved and not being too quote unquote Disneyfied. So, how did you think? What did you think of the two um, adaptations? I found it uh, compared with the original Japanese version. Uh, yeah. It's not really telling much about, it's not revealing much about intentions of each person, but looking at the, the English subtitles, the Quite more, yeah, explaining more about what the intentions or what the yeah. behind it. So really? the dialogues tends to be longer than the original Japanese version. Yeah. Well, it's, it happens quite often when you translate from Japanese to English, but because of the uh, nature of this story, you need to know like uh, who each character stands, which is based on. Um, a lot of Japanese uh, old cultures and then lies and everything, myths and everything. And also, we have a, like this kind of things, not saying things directly. <laughs> so, oh, okay. And then also, Eboshi and Jikobo, those two tricky characters, they, they don't say directly because they want to trick you in a way yeah so, so do they if they don't see if they don't explain as much in the original japanese version is it like is it a good thing that things are explained or, or does it take some of the sort of work out of the story for you it works really fine without saying anything because it kind of some parts are the main mystery and then people can guess what their real intentions are, especially Jiko. That's uh, and probably what he's saying, the 80%, 9% was a lie. I, yeah. I don't really believe what yeah. he's saying. His intention, 
Korea in the original, but I think that was good. It works well because we're watching it and thinking about what exactly wants. It's not really clear, but but it says in the English translation, it's also okay for the probably some people um, more um, and catch up with the story well. I mean, for the Neil Gaiman, I should say he did very well. He didn't put too much, you know. Yeah, he needed to add some explanation. Otherwise, it's bit might be a bit confusing anyway. But he did, yeah, he did keep it minimum, and yeah. Okay, yeah, it's always that interesting to know, you know that transition from Japanese language to uh to English because it's not an easy translation because it's not like you know French French easy. to English yeah yeah and uh, um, yeah they have a, like a different ma- manner to, of speaking yeah. each, each character so which is also difficult to translate I think yeah and uh so for Tazia I assume you watched the English translation yeah Okay. Um, and I haven't watched. It's actually one of the few things I've not watched the subbed version of in terms of films. Um, I've only ever watched the dubbed version, and there's in most things there's normally a difference between subbed and dubbed. I, uh, I don't know why that happens. <laughs> um, it probably is just something to do with how it flows being spoken compared to read, but. I think in comparison to other things I've watched, like it doesn't, sometimes you watch dubbed stuff and it feels like you're being spoken to like a child Mm. (laughs) uh, compared to like the subbed version. Um, This doesn't do that. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I feel like uh, uh, Jacobo could have been more mysterious Mm. That would have been fine. Because uh, sometimes I'm like, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, but also, like, after reading that, um, uh, that oh, what's it called? Oh, my God. The article. Oh, about the Neil Gaiman's translation. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things make sense. And also, like, remembering that uh, it's like um, Americans have... Like this, this was had in mind of an, an American audience, and I think there's a comment in that article um, just about like Neil Gaiman under, like understanding and being okay with there just being a prince, <laughs> like there just being royalty. Yeah, yeah, that stood out to me as well. Just, and he I just was, is a prince. Yeah, mm. and I was like, oh yeah, like for for someone European, that's way more like easy to comprehend because like across Europe there's monarchies there's still existence in in a few countries and ones that aren't like it's in the history it's there it's present so you know and we can like go and see castles and and we can understand that whereas like America just doesn't have that level of history Mm. um and and definitely not currently so it's like uh and especially not at that point as well. It's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense why things might have needed to be explained a bit more because, like, even down to, like, folklore, there's just stuff that we would be way more, like, find it way easier to understand. Yeah. Uh, 
than America, especially at that point uh, when it got translated. So I get it. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that, that definitely <laughs> definitely sad to me. Just have him having to explain that he's he's a prince because he's the next in line to be king, and that's how it works. <laughs> um, so uh, I said, like, I talked about the complexity uh, of the story, and and what I really just really liked in this film. Uh, I guess with a lot of uh, Miyazaki's work, that there's there's no good guys and bad guys, um, yeah. and it's a way more nuanced view of nature and. Because as you're watching it, you see, um, so you you see uh, Itaka and he, as he comes across Iron Town and Lady Eboshi, and then you know at first he's like, oh, she's the one that's clearing the forest and she's destroying the spirits and she's bad, she's to be brought down. But then she's got this town and she's taking in all these uh, social outcasts. So she makes a point of saying she's hired people, uh, so women who used to work in a brothel. They've been given these jobs. She has these uh, lepers that she's getting to make these rifles. And she has this kind of, I guess, society where there's some sort of equality going on. And people that might have been, like, you know, left behind are given a home. And like, oh, wait, that's that's good. But then Ashitaka comes in and he's, you know, listening to her and, uh, and hearing what she's got to say. But then he goes and defends uh, San when they're having a fight and then they turn on him. So like everyone, no one's completely pure, I guess, uh, in mm -hmm. this way. And I really like that. And obviously you mentioned uh, Jigo, who just comes in with his own uh, selfish motivation. So yeah, what did you think about that? And, and did anyone find themselves like maybe taking one side over, over the other or even switching as the story developed, like who they were maybe rooting for? This is like one of my favorite things and we spoke about it. <laughs> Many, many a times. Um, but like the idea that no human is like inherently good or bad and, you know, you're not just one thing. You're kind of constantly trying to make decisions that you think is best and better than maybe a out of two bad decisions. Um, and I just think, I, I just love how they constantly show that in this. Mm -hmm. but, I mean, there's a few people that you're like, no, you're kind of just bad. <laughs> or like, you're more to the to the bad side and you've got some redeeming to do. But like someone like Lady Oboshi, even she's quite self-aware of the things she's done that, you know, could be morally questionable, but she's kind of like, but I had to do it. You know, it it's life. It, it, you've got to move on. Um, yeah. And there's definitely no one that I kind of really thought like you're a terrible person and you're complete evil um kind of like just everyone's kind of human and trying to do yeah. what they're right <laughs> even the animals they have a like their reason to be you know mm -hmm. slightly being bad or very noble you know it's a it's it's a life, you know. I, I really like as as Tazi said. I really like that part, you know. It's the, it's, we are not that simple, you know. We are not like totally evil or totally good, you know. We are not that simple, and I like how Yazaki uh, portrayed yeah. kind of things. It can be beastie and then sacred at the same time. Yeah, and someone's, uh, you know. Someone's truth is someone's, you know, kind of, you know, it's it's really, yeah. A justice against another justice. Exactly. Yeah, 
No, definitely. And and they do make a point of like showing you that and like Chia, you mentioned, even in the animal spirits where you have the different sides uh, and different mm. perspectives because you've got uh, the wolves and then the like the, the monkey spirits who have a particular perspective and then the boar spirits are just like, you know, we're going in and we're going to destroy them. <laughs> and that's all we know. Mm-hmm. And that's all we're going to do. And then the wolves are trying to talk some sense into them. So yeah. it really does a good job of, of representing that. And, and I was thinking even because as I was watching it, the um, uh, the forest spirit uh, itself, when it shows up and it's introduced as something or my perception was that this is the thing that gives life but it also takes away life yeah. and, and you see that like, it interacts with the, with different parts of the of the forest so even in that one character there's different sides uh to it so yeah i mm-hmm. i did like the uh the viewpoint of uh ashitaka and he comes in and he has this um i guess this mission almost to uh, was is like he's tasked to to see with eyes yeah and he's like the one who's coming in and and trying to see all sides and trying to please everyone and i'm surprised he manages at the end because that doesn't always uh work out but he comes in like he's open to everyone he um yeah he, he like saves uh lady Boshi people he just sees people in trouble and he saves them but then he also later kind of you know stops her and and becomes an obstacle uh, to her when he thinks that's the right thing to do uh so yeah just like really good representation of the different sides of i guess humanity mm. i even think um the even down to moro and uh her children Tosan and the other two wolves um and and she does make a comment at some point um, about you know what does she say something about dying and then everything living on. Uh, oh, but I've, yeah, I feel like she has a viewpoint, but she also understands that like Son has her own viewpoint and mm-hmm. is individual from that. Um, and makes a comment about her being like her ugly, beautiful, <laughs> mm-hmm. human, non-human daughter. Um, so yeah, then just like the and then the younger wolves. Like uh, there's one point where one of them lets Ashitaka um, ride ride him, um, which is obviously like quite a like a point in their relationship and a moment of respect because he wouldn't have done that um, in, without having like a respect and understanding there. Yeah, like, that's true. Would have just like bit his head off like ages ago. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. And was kind of like respect when he tried to bite his head off. Yeah. And kind <laughs> of like respect San's decision, you know, and their relationship, uh, even though she is actually human um yeah because you're right he does actually just ask for permission (laughs) can i bite his head off (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) i was just like no you may not (laughs) but um, and then uh, another thing that kind of uh struck me and uh see what uh, all think is but like uh gender roles in in the film and Um. because you don't always get uh films where sort of the main antagonist uh, is female. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 
pretty sure that's not that's not always a thing. So it was interesting to see that, and then the I guess the spirit of the forest kind of represented in in San, and um, and then with Lady Oboshi kind of. Uh, I guess she's talking about the the women that have come um, into her village uh, and their relationship with the men in the village, uh, and then also the one that's that really stood out is the way the relationship between San and Ashitaka uh, was depicted because you've got you know in in and you, you see that you compare it to like Western films where quite often the the female uh, love interest is like a prize for. Uh, uh, the male protagonist, like when mm. he, you know, overcomes or does whatever he needs to do, uh, then the the girl will fall for him or whatever. But here, it's it's very co-equal, and mm-hmm. one is a prize for the other. They just like, you know, they're coming from these two different places, and they got they got to figure it out. Uh, and it's not, you know, and like an object of desire thing. It's just like mm-hmm. a co-equal relationship. I think Miyazaki is already, quite often he's got like very strong female characters like uh, uh, the, like a pi- sky pirate's mom in uh, what was Puta. it? Yeah, uh, yeah, Laputa. Hmm. Or like uh, you know, so I think so. He tends to have a, a strong female character, but uh, it's Eboshi is like kind of one step further it's a, and I really like that like yeah, Yoshi, yeah she's, she's it's always really refreshing to mm. yeah and I think even how um, Gonza kind of Lady Eboshi's mm. right hand man uh, is treated by the women is just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. um, I absolutely love Toki. And at one point, ah, uh, yeah. At one point, one of them says, "Even if you was a woman, you'd still be an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I do love things like that, and it kind of like as a uh, storyteller, it, it does make you think because, uh, so like for example, I mean, the next story I'm working on is Eleventh Hour, but. Uh, I've also, you know, time to time, I make notes on what will be the next Samurai Chef story, whenever that will be. But uh, one of the things that I did recently, this was like last year, is just thinking about, you know, the protagonist, obviously Samurai Chef, um, but then who's going to be the antagonist? And as I started making notes, I just had a thought, like, what is a female character? And like, up until that point, it never even came across my mind that the antagonist could be a female character. Uh, and I just switched it. It's like, oh, how, what would that look like? So it's one of those things where you just, you can almost go on autopilot and then just make all the characters male if, if you are sort of right mm-hmm. from that perspective. But sometimes it, it helps to just stop and like, yeah, just like switch things and then see what you can do uh, with that. So now, uh, having had that moment, like the, the antagonist in the next Samurai Chef will be like a female character and then that dynamic then changes and um, all that stuff but it, it just requires support sometimes because you have to step outside of yourself and see what else you can do in in the story i also think it's a point that like in in princess Mononoke, it's not like this fantasy world where women are always treated like equals uh, there's a few point where they comment that this is just what it's like inside iron town um i think uh it's like the when the men uh, when Ashitaka comes to Iron and the men that he's with the men, uh, and one of them comments on, she just like uh, Lady Oboshi just lets 
all these, I can't remember what he says, but, you know, like they don't belong here. Uh, she just gets like any ragtag <laughs> and makes them here. Uh, and then there's another point. Oh, I can't remember. But, um, yeah, like it's not like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just a world where women are treated equally. This is specifically uh, Lady Oboshi has created something, um, right? And she's she's made herself a position of power, um, and she's used her intellect and persuasive skills uh, to to put herself in that position. I think she tells the girls like not to trust men at some point as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is that. Yeah, and I think it's the thing like. In stories like this, where you have characters that are, you have that diversity of characters, where, like, taking it to a, a different scenario with um, Black Panther, and one of the the things I liked about that film, like, it it shows sort of black people in positions of power, like royalty and all that, but then it also does show sort of black people as villains, and and I think that's always the idea with things like you you don't want to reduce. Um, a demographic to a stereotype so it's important to like show side so you have lady aboshi who is this kind of like high class um character and she speaks well and and she kind of puts herself above everyone else even even as she is treating people with um with relative respect but then you also have the lower class uh women um that's well and then you have characters like uh san comes from a completely different perspective so you have that diversity of character i think that's always a thing when when people talk about diversity in 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 their characters and stories is about showing different types of characters because it's not like you know all women are upper higher class people you, you also have mm-hmm. you know uh, people from lower social circles and you can present all of those um another thing i was thinking about is i was like uh, themes uh, in in stories, and I, I like stories that uh, represent themes, and then and do that through their characters and through conflict. And what's really good here uh, that Miyazaki has has done, he expressed a theme without preaching. And a lot of the time, you can have stories where it's it's easy to see that a writer has a particular point of view, and that comes across as so. If it's a story about you know, and this is a story uh, to some extent about the impact on uh, sort of the environment by humans. Um, and it's very easy to then say, oh, everything that humans do to the environment is bad. And it's all bad and it all comes from a bad place. And then you have kind of a boring story, but because he's explored themes and the other side. So yes, the force has been destroyed, but because of that, I'm able to build this town uh, and give, you know, people, these, these outcasts, a to belong which is a good thing so having that theme but then exploring both sides of it for coming to a final sort of conclusion i really like that mm. i'm trying, trying to think of some other themes as well but yeah what did you think about yeah the idea of how the themes were expressed and and if you had a particular viewpoint especially on the environment because that was that was a big thing the big theme in the story like uh, um you know big uh yeah of the nature especially Japan, there are so many natural disasters, including mm. earthquakes, tsunami, uh, active volcano there, and typhoon season there. And it's always think that uh, the nature power is really overwhelming the people's civilization sometimes. And 
appreciate that. Yeah, of course, the, the, in a historical, we had an atomic bomb or hydrogen bomb dropped as well. All like huge events, huge disaster events, really in front of that. This human being is so small that it can't really do anything. And then Princess Moloki really reminds me of the, the kind of helplessness of the human being and just thinks like, uh, the thing off of the big goat's head that's itself is like a, the huge uh, like a crime. But um, how dare can you kind of think? It just makes me think of the, the nature itself so strong and then scary, that's petrifying. Yeah. How could you be head of the the top of the <laughs> mystery mm. of the nature? I and mean, then it really gives me the fear of the like, how could you kind of this human being? How could you? That's really scary. We have a like as Inko said, we have a lot of a lot of nature disasters. I, I I've heard of it from somewhere else, but that's, that's why because we have a lot of gods, nature gods, you know, which you. And not like you cannot rely on, but you have to kind of um how do you call it? not worshipping, but you know, you have to ask favor. Yeah. Uh, you have to always respect. And then if something bad happened, you know, it's you have to think about that God is angry, that kind of you know, relationship. Yeah. And then so we have to always find a compromising how we you know, it's not only about like modern days how to be eco-friendly but we also have to deal with that natural disasters itself so that kind of questioning is actually uh, well described in this story and i like i just thought ashitaka is keep on keep on asking questions all through the story it's speaking in question form and we live yeah. together or is there any ways or, you know, he's just keep on asking questions and looking for the way. And then that's how we kind of deal with the nature, especially in Japan, you know, places like Japan for the natural disasters. Yeah. Like Ashitaka is constantly like looking for coexistence um, and how to live together. I also think it's reflected in the forest spirit itself. Mm. Um because the forest spirit never really takes sides, um, just kind of existing, <laughs> giving life and taking life and not really taking a certain side other than creation and the opposite of creation. Um, even down to when Lady Oboshi is going to shoot its head off, uh, all it does is like grow some leaves around <laughs> The weapon um, um when really it's way more powerful than that and kind of like it's trying to it seems like the spirit itself is trying to appeal to to some sort of like understanding um it's kind of just existing there um yeah, yeah but she doesn't have that though she's like i need that head. yeah she's like i've got to do this so i'm gonna do it um and kind of sees it as silly and trivial. Like, you know, don't be silly. It's just a god. Like, <laughs> she even <laughs> says, like, watch now, watch how I like kill a god or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can't yeah. Be and then when she fires it, she's like, 
you're going to die now or something like that. Like, mm. she's just like, yeah. Um, it's crazy. You do see a lot of that, um, I guess, just greed, like human greed in in different ways. Because even like with Lady Eboshi, where she is uh, fighting for people, there's a point where when the Iron Town is being attacked and she finds out and she kind of, you know, says those were on their own, we're going forward. So there's a point where she gives up on people to a certain extent just for the greed of getting that. Um... I felt like that moment wasn't giving up on them, though. Because from from the moment we meet her, uh, she's like design. She's getting the the, the um, them to design a weapon light enough for the girls to hold them. Yeah, and that she's kind of her plan was always to move on and not necessarily stay there um, and kind of teach okay. them how to like defend themselves. So be independent. Yeah, so in that moment, because she even makes a comment, she doesn't just say, she doesn't just leave them. She says, they can defend themselves. Yeah. So Yeah, that's true. Well, I took it as her making the, because she was presented with a choice and she had to make a decision. Yeah. Does she go back and, and help or does she carry on? I guess maybe not outright giving up on her, because like you, like you say, she hasn't left them with nothing, but that the goal of, of getting the, uh, the forest spirit's head and whatever that, you know, rewards that come with that was mm. her priority at uh, yeah. at that moment. She kind of showed that. And mm. it felt like there was some kind of risk there as well. If she didn't get the head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Always, because at the end, she even comments on like, oh, Ashley Tucker managed to save us all. Mm. Um, so I feel like there was a consequence and she had to, mm. had to choose one in mm. that moment. I think at that moment, um, I thought at first... Uh, she thought getting the yeah, god's head helps her people. Mm-hmm. But I think her greed and her, her, not greed, it's like her courage to get overpowered on nature. You know, she, she wants to win over nature. It's like she's trying to prove something. Yeah. Mm, yeah. She was like, I think at first she was like kind of half coexisting, but then she realized that she needs to, you know, uh, you know, she has to rule everything, even the nature. At that point, when she said, you know, she she is not going back to the uh, Iron Castle, she's keep on going. Is I think it's a, her moment of like, kind of she over wing you know but it's it's also another uh her very human side yeah I think she should have going back to that you know iron castle but she kind of in a way misjudged and keep on doing it so yeah she definitely misjudged that situation mm. <laughs> um <laughs> and uh so one of the last things i wanted to cover as well like uh taz you touched on it is the idea of like actions having consequences and uh mm. i really like that there were yeah there were ramifications to things we did like lady aboshi um sort of not well yeah de- decapitating the forest spirit and then you then saw the consequences uh of that uh that decision that that action so it was very much like you you did something and now we're gonna again sort of take the time to show you what you have done and even when 
the the head is returned to the forest spirit the forest spirit still dies so that is still a thing you can't just you know it wasn't like um i guess if you say like a disney ending it wasn't like the head is back there's for uh, the forest spirit is whole again and everyone is dancing <laughs> and singing <laughs> yeah it was like you everybody's happy exactly which is very like a disney thing but this was like you did something you cannot take it back uh, and mm. even though the the forest spirit sort of as it you know came over uh, when the sun came up and as it came over and healed everything everyone was healed and all good but you've now lost the, the forest spirit um mm. because of that so it was, a, it was a good example of like actions having consequences and showing that in your story mm. but um yeah does yeah. anyone have any last last words last words that sounds kind of dire but um, <laughs> anything else they want to bring up <laughs> i think uh the moment the end of moment of uh son and ashitaka kind of like um it's so realistic it's such a realistic kind of relationship mm. um, not just like oh and they lived happily ever after it was um, <laughs> like oh son you'll go and help uh, replant the forest and I'll go and help um, rebuild Iron Tan Town and we'll come and see you when we can. Yeah. It's like, and it was I'll like, message you. Kind yeah. Of like, and it was like, oh, so you're actually going to get on with your lives and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get and, you know, develop a relationship going forward, not just give up everything uh, and all of, your morals and everything you stand for and all your responsibilities <laughs> to be together happily ever after forever yeah because you know? she does say like i can't forgive like what is that again consequences i can't forgive, yeah like mm. what they did but mm-hmm. we're gonna coexist yeah we'll move on we'll work on it yeah <laughs> yeah so um yeah definitely think remember for like uh making your stories but uh if you yeah if you've seen um princess mononoke uh, uh, feel free to let us know what you think of uh, of this. I think we're pretty unanimous in, in the amazingness of this uh, of this story. Uh, I will definitely have to watch it again because, yeah, I was late to the party, so I'm just going to go back into the party and watch it. But, yeah, let us know what you think. And um, we're now going to go into our story tip. And what I was watching, or as I was watching and what I was picking out, uh, kind of related to something I'm looking to in the 11th hour as I develop that story. And it's this idea of uh, form and opposition uh, and using that technique to improve your world building in your story. And mentioned it earlier where, you know, this could have just been a story uh, about good versus evil. So the, the good of the uh, nature versus the evil of the industrial uh, iron town uh, this is a conflict that is given uh, more depth and you kind of see the benefits the pros and cons to each side with the introduction of uh, san and jibo so with um this four con opposition usually what what happens as i'm learning is you have your your protagonist and your antagonist but you you also introduce opponents to the protagonist uh, to help build like complexity in your story so for example in princess mononoke you have um prince ashitaka and his goal is just like harmony and coexistence and as we mentioned um seeing with eyes unclouded by hate 
Uh, and in the other corner is Lady Eboshi, who wants to control the forest for her own for her own ends, but then also industrial progress uh, and the good of her people. So if you want, those are your two corners. Uh, and then you've got additional opponents to the protagonist. So here you have uh, San, who despises the humans and just wants to kill Lady Eboshi. You then have uh, G who is a cynic and just completely self-interested um, and will do anything to achieve his own self-interest, whatever the cost, as you see uh, in the film. And the idea is that these four characters uh, allow you to uh, dive a bit deeper into the theme of your story and give it layers and complexity rather than just making it a simple good versus evil situation. Uh, so when you're writing your stories, the thing to think about is... Um, Number one is to be clear on your theme. So, you know, if you have a strong theme and a strong point of view um, on your story, think about that and how that comes across with your hero and villain characters. Like, how do they represent that theme or each side of that theme? Uh, number two, you then want to introduce additional opponents for the protagonist. And these opponents are characters who are not necessarily the main antagonist, but obstacles in the way of the uh, protagonist achieving like the thematic resolution. So in this case, you've got um, uh, Prince Ashitaka uh, achieving that coexistence. Uh, and then the, the key thing, uh, number three, is to add the depth by giving the villain and the opponents a reason to be in conflict with each other, independent of the protagonist. Uh, and that Kind of the key thing that I learned and what I'm thinking about with 11th Hour is how do you, once you've established these opponents, how do you then give them reasons to be in conflict with each other that don't necessarily uh, hinge on the protagonist? And by doing this, you then get the, the benefit of having complexity in your story, but then able to show off the, uh, the world you've created through conflict between those characters that you've established. Established. Uh, so those are three things that you can keep in mind to add uh, depth to your story. Uh, and if you have used four corner opposition in your stories, uh, feel free to get in touch because I'm working on it now. So any tips, uh, any additional tips will be uh, helpful. Uh, right. So let's get to what our guests have been up to. Uh, so, yeah, we're just going to go into more detail on the latest and news and interesting projects from our guests. So, Inko, if we go with you first. Okay. Um, the Cura book I want to introduce, which is will be published in 15th of September this year, which is uh, Manga Yokai Stories. Um, it's kind of connected to like a Princess Mononoke, like a lot of spiritual uh, um, existence of the Japan. And then... Also, they connect with the kind of ghost stories as well. It's written by um, half Irish, half Greek person called Lafgadio Han, which is about 150 years ago. And it was really uh, based on his work, which is introducing Japanese mythical stories or ghost stories to West. Um, written originally in English and translated into Japanese later. Then um, the stories can be on the Japanese textbook for as well and there's particularly not famous ones uh the, the um kind of collection of the non-famous stories by him uh which is 
quite interesting, but not as famous as other stories. It's, uh, I think, seven or eight stories together, adaptation into manga. And then that's quite interesting to see. That's uh, It's all the story, about 100 or more than 100 years old story. But it's really fresh to so, for the modern people too. And then I wish people, yeah, uh, enjoy the reading it. And then, yeah, um, that's all from me. Excellent. Sounds pretty cool. Um, and Shay? Uh, yeah, um, it's just uh, announced, but uh, the book is going to be published next year. And then I'm just started working on it. Uh, uh, I'm cooperate, cooperating with the author uh, called Julian Sedwick. And um, he's uh, like a teenage, uh, teenage uh, the books for teenagers, he, he some books for teenagers. And then this one is called Tsunami Girl, which is uh, about the great North East Japan earthquake, 2011. So it's also actually related to uh, Mono- Princess Mononoke because I'm going to, it's a kind of half novel, half manga book. book. And then uh, manga part is the, uh, it's difficult to explain. It's a, the protagonist, Yoko, she's uh, 15 years old and she loves making a manga. And then I'm going to throw her manga inside of the book. I don't know. Does it make sense? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's not like uh, so. Her, it's a I mikarized our creation, and then it's contained a lot of Japanese folklore, yokai, and then uh, ghost stories as well. So, yeah, I cannot tell much about in the story because I can't. <laughs> but it's gonna be out next year. Awesome. Sounds very interesting. We'll have links in the show notes for more on both of those. Um, So the next bit is our listener feedback and questions. So we will go with some questions that we have got from our social media and email. Uh, So the first question is from Kodakitty. And it is, there is a lot of fine detail in the background art of Mononoke. Is that something you enjoy drawing or seeing in animated films? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I can just keep that Princess Mononoke on my TV or something without any sounds and while I'm working, actually. Environmental video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then That's it's cool. really kind of, you know, it's present that world of that mystic I think I, I uh, Inko already mentioned it, that mystical forest it was brilliant yeah I actually have a piece of a poster it's a piece of artwork by I can't remember who done it I'm sorry but um, <laughs> I got it at a comic con um and it's of sun in the forest and I just saw it and was like it just captures it so well mm. Mm. Yeah, it really like puts you in the place and it, it just, like you say, like usually you could just, yeah, you could just look at it and, and take it in and it's just something, I don't know, like peaceful about it. Mm. And the use of like colours, kind of like a lot of, obviously there's a lot of greenery, um, but the colour palette and that is really, 
kind of peaceful and beautiful. Yeah. You can even feel the, the humidity in the forest. Also, yeah. the, the color and everything. It's mm. wonderful. Definitely. Um, so the next question is from Kimiko underscore 22X. Did the Studio Ghibli version of Princess Mononoke do well to portray well to the original story and history of Princess Mononoke? So as I understand it, this is is kind of, um, so there, there is no Princess Mononoke, but it, it's inspired by different like Japanese folklore. Uh, and different oh, there are uh, so many Japanese folklore that's uh, Hayao Miyazaki research and gathering up. Um, yeah. So many, no particular one, right? A particular yeah, one. No... I don't know which one? Oh, particular one particular one. No, I don't think it's one particular one. I think it's like a maybe a mix. Yeah, correction of a lot of a lot of like folklore and myths and. Uh... Yeah, I think that Hayao Miyazaki orchestrated, but. There are so many elements which is which is scattered around Japan. Mm. He gathered up. That's what yeah. I had the impression of. It's more okay. Yeah. Yeah. The particular one, I don't know. Mm. And then yeah. the name of the, the big giant, which the deer god uh, hung into, and it's the night. night walker. A Nightwalker. Nightwalker have a particular name in Japanese. It's called Deidarabochi, which is actually, we have a lot of myths about this creature all over the all over Japan, actually. Each prefecture has its version of Deidarabochi story. Exactly. So I can't really tell the particular <laughs> Cool. Yeah, yeah, so it's just like that ability to take inspiration from different parts and, and Fuse it into a story that works yeah, for yeah, yeah. yeah works here. In, in, I think the details like a mask the Princess Mononoke wearing. Yeah, it's from the really old the like a Shinto masks he found in a particular prefecture. That's mm. he collects quite a lot of things to create Princess Mononoke. That's why I got the impression. Mm. I've definitely different mm. Sorry. Different, oh, sorry, please, please. <laughs> different components prop it prop up in other like anime and manga that I've seen um, that are not necessarily taking any inspiration from Princess Mononoke, but inspiration from gods and uh, sort of folklore. And you sort of see it, and you're like, oh, okay, it's all there. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm. Um, so the next question is from Linny381. Does this movie give you ideas or some understanding on how Studio Ghibli show religion, culture, society, history in a fantasy world? Oh, yeah. Especially the society, that's, uh, uh, especially the ironwork, that really shows uh, that um, he portrayed his, his way of thinking of the society and then in particularly Princess Mononoke, he doesn't draw uh, like a normal human, normal villagers or normal samurai in there. That all everyone in the film are like outsiders or or, or spirits or or like uh, it's. He doesn't show the like like us the normal human, normal human daily life. He shows quite a lot of uh, people in a particular situation. Uh, like an ex or women or, or 
high cross person or, or forest spirit. It's the shows a just shows quite diversity of the things which is people don't normally look at, like especially minority people. And then Hiro Miyazaki really I think the pushes uh, that put the um, emphasis on the from minority. I think. Hmm. I, I think for me, I it just shows like the the power of research because you can only put these things in the film if you have an understanding and if you've researched them. Uh, so it kind of shows like guess the need to do that for your for your story. So to create these worlds, to create these uh, these characters and these these cultures within the story, like we just said, like he's taking from different places. Yeah, you don't have to go and find them or research them or read about them uh, to to put them. In. So it's kind of giving me that. I guess motivation to do do more reading, and in, in, if I'm going to put something in the story, have some understanding of it. And considering most of the story takes place once we get to Iron Town and in the forest, uh, but we're still sort of introduced to sort of two different slash three different areas, I suppose. Um, so if we we start in uh, Ashitaka's village and there's sort of um a whole different culture there compared to uh, the village he stops at on the way um or the town he stops at on the way and then we go to iron town um so sort of like three different types of places there um and like different styles you mean so different cultures different styles and yeah yeah which is is quite interesting um but yeah that's it from our questions and if you do have any questions or feedback you'd like to send us you can do so at feedback at myamada.com or on our social media at myamada on twitter at myamadatees on instagram or at tazzy on both and we've now come to the end of the show. So thank you to uh, both Chio, 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 let me try that again, Chie and Inko uh, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's really good to get your your perspective um, on the film, especially as you have seen the original uh, Japanese version and can speak <laughs> to that too. Um, so yeah, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Story X Story. And if you did, then make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any episodes uh, and also you can give us a podcast review and rating which all helps us reach new people new fans and uh, new followers to the show and fans of deep dives into story discussions uh, obviously we make our own manga uh, you can check that out at mymanga.com forward slash manga including our latest one hot lunch and look out for something uh, kickstarter wise uh, with Sirius. Uh, and as I mentioned at the top, we are working on a gamepad community on Discord and a gamepad online event on Saturday, the 27th of June. Uh, we're being sponsored by Into Games, and we've got abundant gaming cosplay and bringing you interviews and content from the video game industry. Other than that, uh, stay tuned for more podcast episodes, including creator interviews, video game discussions, and more deep dives into stories across pop 
culture. Uh, final reminder that you can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with link to listen and subscribe to episodes is myamada.com forward slash story x story. Until next time, stay tuned and stay safe. Thank you.